God is in this place. Let's give him some praise. Come on, church. We serve a God that is alive, that he is an active. He is here. God, we love you. You know what, church? Our president today has called today to be a national day of prayer. And I think, I can't think of a better moment. Whether you like his agenda or not, the agenda of prayer is the thing that we need right now in our country. We need our God to show up not only in this place, but in every heart and every life and every space in this world. And so we're gonna take a moment, we're gonna pray not just for today, but we're gonna pray for our city and our country and our world. In fact, the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, God says he'll show up and he'll meet us and he'll heal our lands. Can't think of a greater moment for that we need God to heal our land. Would you join me in prayer? God, we thank you that you're a God that says that if we'll draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. And we come before you today as epidemics and pandemics and, and things are spreading. But here's what I know is that God, you can eradicate everything in a moment with just a spoken word from you. God, we come before you and we thank you that you're a God that heals, that you're a God that transforms. And we call you to come down in this place and begin to heal our lands, heal our bodies, heal us as a people, God. God, I pray for your power and your presence to be so evident in every single one of us as believers that the world would see and they would experience and they would feel your presence. God, I pray for the leadership of our country. I I pray that they would lead in God in the best way possible in this season. That you would give them uncommon wisdom, that you would give them uncommon favor to know what's best and to lead us in the right direction. God, I, I pray right now that fear would cease, that wisdom would prevail, that your peace that surpasses all understanding would calm the hearts and minds of people right now in the name of Jesus. God, we declare you Lord of all. You're not Lord of some, but you're Lord of all. And we thank you that you are our source and our healer and our strength and our power and our hope in time of need. Fill your people with hope to go out and be distributors of the greatest thing out there. That's the hope of Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise in this place. You guys can go ahead and take a seat, man. We're so glad that you're with us here today. My name's TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. This is my wife, Shayla. And, uh, you know, last week we said, man, we have kind of a special treat for you today. We did. We had a guest speaker that was going to be here this weekend, but based on everything that's been happening in our We're country. We're the special treat. <laughs> Shayla is now the special treat. Yeah, that's just, this is what it is. And so... And so we're excited about today. We believe, you know, while, while churches all over the place are shutting down, we believe that the, the local church should be open for all that need hope. And the church has never shut down, and, 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 uh, and we're not going to shut down now in the, unless the government mandates us to. Uh, but we believe that God has given us a word for this morning uh, that is going to bring hope, and it's going to bring healing, and it's going to bring peace to our lives. And I believe it's a word that God wants to speak to us here today. So we're excited that you're joining us here. And 
and, and this is a little bit different for us. We don't normally talk together, uh, and so we don't, we don't really know what's going to happen uh, with that as we do this, so uh, we're excited to, to you know, share how with many, you guys. How many times in life, or maybe you're in a situation right now where you just kind of feel like surrounded by things in life? You know, I, I don't know what it is for you guys. Sometimes, you know, it might be we found, feel surrounded in our marriage or in our relationships. Just like nothing that you do seems to be able to break through or get through. And all you can see is maybe this looming separation or divorce. Or maybe there's challenges that are happening in your relational world. You just feel like you're surrounded. Like everything yeah. is pressing in on you. You know, maybe for you it's a health issue. Maybe there's something going on in your health and it's been a diagnosis or that pain or that injury or whatever it is. And it just seems like no matter what you do, you just can't get past it. And it just feels like life is surrounding you and pressing in on you. You know, maybe it's a financial situation where it's just like debt and all of these things. You can't see beyond this situation because it feels like, again, no matter what you do, that life is just surrounding you and there's no way past this. There's no way forward and it just feels like all you can see are the challenges that are around you. I mean, maybe you guys have heard of this crazy thing that's happening right now called coronavirus, and it just feels like something, you know, that seemed so simple and insignificant is now surrounding us on every corner. Yeah. You know, and it just feels like so many times in life, no matter what it is that you're facing, sometimes we just feel surrounded by the challenges that are, that are in front of us. And I think for TJ and I, it's what we've realized in these moments where we feel surrounded, no yeah. matter what it is, is that when we feel this way, the greatest thing that is going to determine our future is how we respond in the moments we feel surrounded. Yeah. And that's what we want to talk about today. That's what we want to share with you guys today out of a passage of scripture and yeah, and we're going to be looking in Exodus chapter 14 if you want to turn in your Bibles there or follow along on the screen. Or actually, if you want to open up version on your Bible app, you can actually go to a live event and all the notes are put inside of there for you to follow along. For those of you that are watching online here today, man, thank you so much for joining us. Maybe you were, you were a little fearful to go out in public, and that's okay. You can join us virtually online, and, and I believe that God is going to speak to you today. And in this passage of Scripture... In Exodus chapter 14, let me give you some backstory of what is going on there. God has sent a man named Moses to be a deliverer of God's people. The Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt for a little over 400 years at this point. And God says, hey, Moses, I want you to go and deliver my people. And so Moses goes into the ruler of Egypt. His name is Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And he says, no. And so God does some incredible things. He, he sends some, some plagues. Hello. <laughs> Just saying, uh, you know, God, God uses all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So maybe God can even use a terrible situation to turn it into something good. He did in the Old Testament. He can do it today. He sends all these things, and eventually Pharaoh lets the children of Israel go. They walk out of the land with, like, the best of the land because the people just want them gone at this point. They're traveling on their way to the promised land, and as they're traveling on their way to the promised land, the Egyptians realize that, man, we just lost our entire labor force. There's about 3.5 to 4 million Israelites. That's what historians estimate. 
And so they're gone, and, and the Egyptians realize this, and they're like, man, we need to get our labor force back. And so uh, about three days out, the Egyptians send their entire army after the children of Israel. They've arrived at the Red Sea. They're resting, and it's a mountainous area in that place. And all of a sudden, they look up and realize that the Egyptians are bearing down on them. And they look in front of them and realize that, man, we've got, we've got this barrier of the Red Sea. And they look behind them and realize the Egyptian army is surrounding us and getting closer and closer and closer. In other words, they are surrounded. Yeah. They're in the same emotional predicament mm -hmm. that a lot of us find ourselves in. And this is what it says starting in verse 10. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking him, they cried out to the Lord and said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And this is such a perfect picture. I think what, what the Israelites are facing as they're surrounded is what so many of us respond with when we're surrounded in life. Yeah. And I think some of our typical responses when we feel surrounded by whatever it is that we're facing is, number one, we panic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's what's happening in this world right now is there's a lot of panicked people. I mean, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second. People, people are going to the store and buying 47 million rolls of toilet paper. I don't use two rolls of toilet paper in a month. <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with people? It, it, is, it is so crazy. But anyways, our first response when we're surrounded by no matter what it is, is we panic. And we have this tendency to go into this state where, where we have this wild, irrational kind of behavior. Why? It's because we feel like we're losing control. And anytime we feel like we're losing control, no matter what it is, whether it's financially, relationally, in the middle of a pandemic, what we try to do is we try to control everything that we control. We can control. We begin to panic. And let me ask you something. Yeah. Do we make better or worse decisions in the state of panic? Like, has anybody in here ever made, like, the best life decision when you're freaking out? <laughs> There's not a single one of us. It reminds me when I was when I was 18 years old, my senior year of high school. Uh, all, all our senior class was going on a trip to Cancun, and my parents said, "Hey, you can go to Cancun with your senior class, or we're going to Europe. And uh, during your spring break, we'll fly you to Europe, and you can spend uh, like two weeks in Europe instead of going on your senior trip." And I was like, "I will take Europe." Uh, and and so so they were in Europe. They flew me over, and and we spent some time in in Paris and Cannes and the the French Riviera, and it was. It was amazing. And I remember my parents were like, hey, we're going to stay in Europe a little bit longer. And uh, we're going to send you back. And I was on a flight from P Paris, Charles de Gaulle Airport, back to Miami International Airport. And I was this is one of the first times that I'm flying internationally by myself, even as an 18-year-old. And, you know, they, they, as we're getting closer to Miami, there were a lot of thunderstorms. There was actually a tropical storm in the area. And so the pilots always come on over the intercom system and say, hey, we want you guys to be prepared. Uh, we're, we're about to experience some turbulence like we're letting you know there's going to be something going on and uh and so you need to go ahead and 
fasten your seatbelts and put up your tray tables. You know, all the, all the same things that they always say that you don't pay any attention to, right? Because <laughs> you're like, you're like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. And, uh, and so a couple of people fasten their seatbelt. And then we start to hit the turbulence and the plane starts shaking. You know how planes shake in the air and they're rattling and stuff. And then everybody's like buckling their seatbelts. And they're like, oh, this is serious. You know, a couple of people are throwing up. All the normal stuff that happens. And as we're doing that, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden our plane just like kind of drops out of the sky. Like, have you ever been on a roller coaster where you get to the top and they do that downward thing and your stomach ends up in your throat? And you're like, you can't talk, you can't breathe. You're like, what just happened? That's what happened on our airplane. And when we finally hit where we, where we stopped going like that, the oxygen mass fell out of the ceiling. Has anybody ever been on a plane when that oxygen mask fall out of the ceiling? If you have not been on a plane when that happens, people lose their minds. People were yelling, people were cussing, people were crying, people were unbuckling their seatbelts, crawling over other people, running towards the emergency exits. We're thousands of feet in the air. They're like, get me out of here. I'm like, where are you gonna go, bro? And as people are freaking out, doing the craziest, most hysterical things, the pilot comes on and says, oh, uh, uh, sorry about that, guys. We had to maneuver a little bit. You guys are good. And, and the people that are at the door trying to open it up have to do the walk of shame back. Like, oh, my gosh. I want to know what you were doing in this I was situation. cussing people out. <laughs> I, was, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what I was doing in that. I was praying. I was very spiritual. <laughs> I definitely wasn't praying. I was actually the person throwing up. <laughs> But I think about that, and the reason people reacted that way is because they were trying to grab control in a situation where they had no control. But what we all failed to realize in the midst of that is that there were some pilots in the front of the plane that were in total and complete control. And so many times what happens in life is, is when we feel like we're losing control, we forget that there is a God that is out there that is in total and complete control. And he is leading and guiding and maneuvering our lives as Christ followers. In fact, in Psalms 27, 1, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? God's protecting me. And so instead of reacting when we lose control, we should, we should sit back and go, man, I know who's actually got control right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us, we panic. Not only do we panic, but we have a tendency to begin to play the blame game. Number two, we, we have a tendency to blame. Watch what the people of Israel said in 11 and 12. It says, they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you... <laughs> Right? That's, that is, right away, they start pointing fingers. Hey, it's your fault. It's your problem. You, you people did it. It's always you people. I don't know who those people are, but it's those people. Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? All of a sudden, have you noticed when you start blaming people, you get really sarcastic with them? <laughs> like you get attitude. It's like, anyways. Again, what have you done to us? Why did you make... Us leave Egypt. Didn't we tell you this had happened while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone and let us be slaves to the Egyptians, which is exactly the opposite of what they said. They're crying out to God. God, deliver us. Mm -hmm. 
We just thought we'd be delivered in a different way. They said it's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. In other words, they're like, come on, Moses. Weren't there some cheaper burial grounds in Egypt than taking us out here to die in the desert? I mean, does anything get solved when we're sarcastic and, and blaming other people? No. Like, I've never met anyone that's blamed their way to a better future. No. Like, I've never met anyone that's like, I became CEO because I blamed all my problems on everybody else. Yeah. And they put me in charge. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... But a lot of times, that's what we do. And here's what I know when we start to blame other people. All of a sudden, we bring them into a situation that has not been resolved, and it doesn't make anything better. It actually makes things worse. It just doesn't And I, I've, actually, I've actually found, like, when we, when we start blaming people, or we start blaming situations, or we start blaming our spouse, or we start blaming our financial situation on this or that, we tend to get in this negative state. And when we start blaming and we start getting negative, negativity is so contagious. Yeah, it is. You know, when people are negative around you, it's so easy to get in that negative mindset, which is why so many things right now, so many things are contagious, right? This virus is contagious. Panic is contagious. Blame is contagious. Fear is contagious. Well, listen, as Christians, I think we should be the most contagious people there are. That's right. Contagious with hope. Contagious with encouragement. Contagious yeah. with life. Contagious with love. We shouldn't be the ones spreading all of this blame and negativity. We should actually be the people that are instilling hope and life and encouragement into yeah. people. But so many times we get stuck in this blame game. And the third thing that we do, I think, when we're surrounded so many times is we imagine the worst case scenario. You know, so many times we're faced with something and just like the Israelites' response, they're like, did you bring us out here to die? And they get all crazy and they go from being rescued all of the sudden to it's the end of their life and they're imagining the worst case scenario of what's going to happen. And I don't know about you guys, but it's so easy to get into like this woe is me mentality where we begin to imagine the worst case scenario in so many different areas of our life. And it's almost like this, I don't know if your mind works like this, but my mind works like a rotisserie grill, <laughs> right? When there's something on that grill and it's just going around and around and it just kind of continues to play in our mind where the only thing that we can see is this thing that's marinating. And some of us, we need to take the chicken off the grill. You know, like we need to, we need to take the chicken off the grill. Take we need the to be chicken <laughs> off the grill you in Jesus' name. You can quote me on that. I don't even know what that means, but it just sounds spiritual. <laughs> Sorry. But you know, so many, <laughs> I think you have a story about this. Not the chicken <laughs> on the grill, but I'm sure <laughs> a yeah. worst case scenario story. Yeah, I, I've, I've got like, so, so my dad is, is like clockwork in life. Every, every Friday at 10 a.m., he calls me, and uh, he's been doing this since I left the house and, and went off to school. And he calls me, and he gives me the update of what's going on with the family, gives me all the dirt. He has all the dirt. I don't know how he has that. So he tells me about all, of, all of the extended family, what's going on. And then uh, at, in every conversation, he, he tells me about my stepmom. Her name is Nancy. Nancy, I love you if you're watching this. I'm sorry. Uh, but he'll tell me, like, what, what is going on in her life. And, and my, my stepmom has a propensity to imagine the worst-case scenario. And so she's always 
always coming down with some sort of new disease or symptoms or whatever. And the worst thing that could have ever happened for her was the internet because there is this website called WebMD. It's not just for her. It's a lot of us. It's a lot of people, but particularly for her because WebMD has been the demise of her health. (laughs) And so every week, he'd be like, man, we've been on WebMD, and we've been putting in her symptoms, and this week she has fibromyalgia. Next week she has, she has some sort of other autoimmune disease, or you know, next week she's got lung cancer. And so one week I was like, Dad, tell me what's going on with Nancy. And so I went on WebMD, and I started putting everything in, and I'm like, at the end of the conversation, I'm like, you know what, Dad? How in the world does Nancy have testicular cancer? I don't get it. It's like, this makes no sense to me. But what, what happens is, is we, we start just snowballing things, imagining the worst case case scenario of things that aren't even possible, (laughs) right? We just take it to the next level, the next level. Nancy, I love you. You're a good stepmom. But I've just found when we do that, like, here's the question. Does that actually help? It's actually really, really bad for us. In fact, I found multiple studies uh, that talked about 90% of health problems are related to stress. In fact, one of them said people who ineffectively manage their stress levels have a 40% higher death rate than non-stressed individuals. And then three different 10-year studies concluded that emotional stress was more predictive of death from cancer and cardiovascular disease than smoking. So why Jesus said... Who of you, by worrying, freaking out, and imagining the worst-case scenario, which is what a lot of us are doing right now, can add a single hour to your life? In fact, those studies would conclude that when you do that, you're actually subtracting hours from your life. And so instead of imagining the worst case scenario in these moments, instead of playing the blame game, instead of living in this panic state, we kind of kind of flip the script because while those things, and, and understand, those things are, are totally normal to do. That's a normal response to panic and to blame And to imagine the worst case scenario. But here's the deal. They're not productive. And I I think in this passage of scripture, the way Moses responds to the Israelites when they're in this state, when they're surrounded and they're freaking out and they're, you know, going crazy, Moses' response I think is so key for every single one of us when we feel like surrounded no matter what it is. And I want to read you guys out of Exodus 14 what, what Moses said. It says, but Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Man, don't we need to hear that today? But the first thing that I see Moses say in here that I think we all need to do when when we feel like we're surrounded in life is, number one, we need to fear not. Yeah. You know, fear, it's, it's not the absence of fear, because we're all going to experience fear no matter yeah. what. It, it's, it's 
determining what are we going to feed? Are we going to feed our faith or are we going to feed our fear? Yeah. And, and so many times I think our natural response is to fear, but Moses is going, fear not. Yeah. Because it's not the fear, it's what we do with the fear that matters the most. I mean, do you guys even think it's possible to fear not? Mm, I don't, I, I'm not really sure. Let me, let me pose this question a different way. Is it possible to tame our wild, irrational thoughts that flood our mind? Yeah. You know, I think we've learned to do this, so many of us, professionally in life, but we haven't learned to do this personally and spiritually. I mean, you think about this stockbrokers, right? So the market goes up and down crazy all over the place, especially right now. But stockbrokers have to have the ability to see into the future, to see the end goal in mind, and not to go on the ups and downs and all of this of the market. They have the, to have the ability to see past that. Yeah. Surgeons, you think about this. As they're doing surgery, if something goes wrong, they have to have the ability to not freak out in yeah. that moment, but to focus and to keep going through the challenge that they're facing because if they freak out in that moment, that patient dies. Yeah. We have to have the ability to see past what is happening right now and to focus on something different and to not to allow the fear to control us. I mean, you think about this. Moms that have three preschoolers at home. Listen, if they can do it, we can do it. Yeah. There's a lot of, I, I'm sorry for your parents that are going to have your kids home for like three <laughs> weeks with you this week. Like, the, the, fear in the not. future. Fear like, not. Fear not. Yeah. You will survive. <laughs> But, it, but it's crazy because what, what happens for a lot of us, because there, there, is, there is a social dispensation where everybody else is doing it, so therefore I, that must be the right thing to do. Yeah. But we're not called to be like this world. We're called to be different than this world. Yeah. And God is saying, like, listen, you, you can't do what everybody else is doing because that's not productive. I've designed you to actually live a different way. I mean, us coming to the conclusion that we're not going to close church when everybody else socially is going, you have to close church. And we're like, no, 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 no. The church historically has never closed its doors. It's always been to open to people. When, when pandemics and epidemics and viruses and plagues have come onto this earth, why the church grew? was because when everybody was throwing out their loved ones to survive self-preservation, the church said, my life is not my own. I'm going to care for the least of these. The cause of Christ causes us to be different. And God has given us an incredible power. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension. I love that word pretension because why? Because we're going to have this tension in life that we're going to have the tendency to fear. But God says, man, we can demolish that. When that thing starts to come up, we have a choice. Are we going to give in to the impending fear or are we going to trust the truth of God? It says we, we, we demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive what? Our thoughts. Those wild, irrational thoughts in our mind that lead us to the rotisserie grill with the chicken. He says, hey, I want you to take that off the grill. Because I don't want you to overcook your grits. We're just making a southern meal out of this right now. We gotta get into God's word and we gotta realize that 2 Timothy 1 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Here's what you need to know fear is a spiritual issue. Yeah. 
And how you deal with spiritual issues is with spiritual things. He says, but what I have given you is power, love, and a sound mind. You know what that power is? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. See, God doesn't want to have to have a spirit of fear. He wants us to be living in the power of his Holy Spirit, who is a comforter, who is a healer, who is a provider, who is a peacemaker. And we need to be relying on him rather than relying on everything that's going on around us. He says, I also want you to have love, which what this world needs right now yes. is a bunch of Christ followers who will show love. Yeah. Who, when they're in the store, will realize that they don't need 37 rolls of toilet paper for the next 14 days. <laughs> Unless you got 37 kids, I don't know. But maybe you leave one for somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Then maybe checks on their neighbor that's elderly right now that is terrified. Yep. That is shut in and goes, hey, do you need a meal? Yep. Do you need an extra roll of my 37 <laughs> toilet papers? Yep. The care is for the least of these in these moments. But he's also given us a sound mind, which means that, man, we're to be wise in life. That we're to use wisdom. And maybe we don't give hugs and high fives. Maybe we give air fives in this moment. It's an important thing that we do that. And so many times what happens to us is we get focused on how big our problems are instead of focusing on how big our God is. When we focus on how big our God is, it's way easier to fear not because we know he's bigger than any circumstantial evidence that is coming our way. So, so God, Moses tells the people... Fear not. And then he says this. He says, stand still. When I, was, when I was reading this passage of scripture, I thought it was so interesting that Moses says, stand still. You know, because you would think in these moments when you're surrounded by challenges, when you're surrounded by difficulties, when you're surrounded by things in life, don't you feel like I need to do something? I don't need to stand still. I need to do something. And our natural response sometimes is to want to react and respond and do something in the middle of those things. But Moses says, stand still. And I was asking myself, why does Moses say, stand still right now? Because I think what he notices is that these Israelites, they're terrified, first of all. The Red Sea is in front of them. The Egyptian army is coming behind them. And what Moses can see is that these people are terrified. And what they are about to do is run back into captivity. Yeah. And so Moses is saying, look, I see what's happening. You need to stand still right now. You don't need to respond. You don't need to react in your marriage right now and run into anger and resentment and bitterness. What you need to do is stand still. Right now, you don't need to respond to the financial crisis. You need to stand still for a minute and not respond and give up and give in in all of these moments. Moses is saying, stand still. Some of you guys right now, you just need to stand still and you need to focus on the truth of God's word. He says, stand still and see that God will deliver you. But so many of us are focused on the enemy in front of us and not focused on our God that we begin to build up the enemy rather than building up the one that can make us victorious. And some of us right now in the middle of our situation, in the middle of our mess, we need to stand still and we need to put our attention and our focus on God. 
rather than reacting and responding and giving in in these moments, is to stand still and confident that our God is going to deliver us. And so many times what we focus on grows. And if we are focused on the problem, the problem is going to get bigger. But if we're focusing on God, we're going to see God come through and we're going to see God exalted and magnified in our life. And let me tell you this, in the middle of being surrounded, sometimes we don't have a lot of faith in those moments. Because all we can see is the challenge that's in front of us. But you know what? You don't even need a lot of faith to stand still. Because in the Bible, actually in Matthew 17, 20, it says, if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it shall be done. And maybe you don't have a lot of faith right now, but I want to tell you something. Stand still, because this thing will pass. You have survived 100% of your worst days, and that is not going to end today. If you will just stand still and be confident that God will come through. He will deliver us. I love that. It says that you don't need a lot of faith. In fact, the verse before that in Matthew 17, 19 says that Jesus says, because of your unbelief. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you don't have a lot of belief. All you need to do is you need to grab one promise out of God's word and go, God, I'm going to stand on this one promise. Like I don't got a lot. I got this. Because here's what I know is that truth always trumps. And some of us need to grab hold of some truth out of God's word and begin to stand on that today and allow God to move in our lives. That's one of the ways you stand still. I think one of the greatest ways you stand still is through relationships. Because here's what I know. When I'm ready to run, I need somebody that's next to me that goes, whoa, 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 let me grab you real quick. And I know that right now we're supposed to be social distancing, which I'm, I'm, I'm all for in this situation, but that doesn't mean you can't take out your phone and uh, call somebody. Have a FaceTime conversation. You can't do a live chat with somebody because you need some people in your life that will help you to stand, that will say to you, whoa, fear not. Stand still. Because if you don't have that, you will run right back. You will run right into the middle of the storm. And God's calling us to be a people that stand still. And then number three, we got to expect God. We've got to expect God because here's what I know. When you're surrounded, your real theology comes out. Like what you really, because here's the deal. When you're surrounded and everything's pressing in on you in life, you know what happens when you're getting squeezed, what's inside always pops out. Is it, woe is me, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die? Or is it, man, my God has been faithful in the past. My God has saved me in the past, and my God will save me now. And what's so ironic about this scripture is they've just seen God move so many times in a row. And sometimes we got to just turn around and look at our past and go, God has taken care of me in my past. He'll take care of me in my present. God has healed me in my past. He'll heal me in my present. God has provided in my past. He'll provide in my presence. And if I know my God is for me, then who can be against me or what can be against me? So 
Some of us have got to be reminded of that. And here's what I know. This book right here, it's a collection of story after story after story after story after story of God taking care of and healing and providing and rescuing his kids. Why? Because he's a rescuer. Is God showing up in the darkest of times to be the greatest of lights? And what he's been trying to do from the beginning of time up until this moment right now is he's trying to get and build a people that will trust him no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situation, no matter what the news is telling us. Whose reports are you going to believe? Whose declaration is most powerful in your life? And I think a lot of times God is waiting for us to declare that I trust you before he intervenes in some very miraculous ways. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah chapter 43. Where God says, don't be afraid. I, I, I would submit to you that he's saying that to you today. Don't be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. God knows your name. If he knows your name, I guarantee he knows your situation. He knows your struggles. He knows your pressure points. He knows your pain. And this is what he says. He says, you're mine. What he's saying is he's saying, hey, I, I take ownership of all of that stuff because you're mine. He goes, when you go through deep waters, he doesn't say that you're not going to go through deep waters. He doesn't say that you're not going to experience some, some things that feel like you're over your head in. He goes, hey, listen, when you feel like you're over your head, you know what I am? I'm your life preserver. I got you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, not that you won't face difficulty, but when you go through them, yep. you're not going to drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, which means there's going to be some battles you're going to have to face, and there's going to be some battles you're going to have to fight in life. There, it doesn't mean that you're going to be battleless in life. It actually means that you're going to go through some battles. And those battles aren't going to burn you. And the flames won't consume you. I love this last part. He says, for I am the Lord, your God. Saying this isn't about rules or religion. This is about a relationship. You're my kids and I'm a good father. I'm a good father protects and cares and loves 
and provides and does everything within his power to make sure that his kids are good. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. Man, and you've been in a panic state. Blaming people. Blaming the grocery stores. Blaming the Chinese people. <laughs> Heard it all. Imagining the worst case scenario. And God would say to you today, fear not. Don't run to all those conclusions, but stand still and find the truth yeah. in my word. Yeah. And put an expectation on me. Because I'm a deliverer. Would you guys bow your heads and Shayla's going to lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. God, and I thank you that just like you did for the Israelites so many, so many, so many years ago. God, that you made a way when it seemed like there was no way. And you parted the sea and brought the Israelites onto dry ground and you rescued them from the enemy. Father, I thank you that it's no different for our situations this morning. And God, I pray that as we're standing still and we're expecting you to move, God, that you would create a way out. God, that you would give us strength in this time, no matter what it is that we're facing, whether it's the chaos of this world, the chaos of our relationship or our finances or our job or whatever it may be. God, that you would give us strength to stand in this moment and to be confident, Lord, that you will be our rescuer, our deliverer, our strength, and that you will never fail us. And God, this morning we surrender it all to you, God, that you would give us the ability to have eyes to see, God, how we can help and encourage and build up and lift up for people in the time of need. God, we thank you for who you are, and it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. We just want to thank you.